Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It's Ivan Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel and Lindsay. All right, no pleasantries this morning. Tragedy has struck in Los Angeles. It has happened yet again. Uh, rapper known as PNB Rock gunned down uh, at Roscoe's here in LA. For you guys who do not know, there are several Roscoe's here in LA. It is a franchise. Uh, most people think about Roscoe's and they talk about the OG Roscoe's, which I believe is the location closest to me, which is the Pico and La Brea location. Then there was a Hollywood location, but they got Roscoe's everywhere. I think there's Roscoe's in Pasadena. There's a Roscoe's uh, in Inglewood. Um, and then there is one on the east side. Now, for me, Rachel, how many Roscoe's have you been to? None. You've never been to Roscoe's before? I've never been. Never been. Interesting. Um, so, so yeah. So there are ones that are the touristy ones, mm-hmm. and then there are ones that are not the touristy ones. Ones that belong to the hood. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. P and B Rock was at one of these uh, Roscoe's Chicken and Raffles at Manchester Avenue in South LA. Now that's on the east side, um, where God be honest with you. Goes down a little bit more, you know, than it does. I mean, how about this? I don't know why the fuck I'm beating around the bush. If you don't know the lay of the land over there, you shouldn't be over there. I'm just putting you sh- straight up. And I'm not in any way saying that, like, uh, uh, it, this in any way is his fault. Um, but that's one that I was surprised to see somebody of his stature being at that Roscoe's. He's 30 years old. He had been at the, he was 30, had been at the restaurant with his girlfriend. I'm not even going to say the last part of that because I don't want to in any way send uh, more hate or vitriol to her because this is not her fault. And I know that people uh, oftentimes look for scapegoat in times like this, but it's not her fault. Um, A suspect brandished a firearm inside the restaurant, demanded items from the victim. The victim was shot almost immediately by the assailant during the robbery, shot the victim and ran out the side door to a getaway car and then fled the parking lot. Um, PNB Rock was taken to a hospital, pronounced dead, uh, at 1.59 p.m. Many people have criticized the TMZ video showing Rock receiving treatment while lying in a pool of blood. I don't know what you guys expect from them. Uh, I don't have, I mean, they're going to put it up. I mean, not just them, but people are going to put the video up. That's, yeah. Yeah, people are going to put the video up. I just, we don't live in times where people uh, have any type of respect for that situation. Um, Kodak Black was one of the people. I don't even want to talk about that. I don't even want to discuss that in the entire situation. PNB Rock seemed to know that his he wasn't quite safe in LA. He did an interview with DJ Academics a couple of days ago, and he said this. Like every oh, they time, try to take your jewelry or something? I don't know, but they'd be like, I be on shit, and I'm not. Where I'm from, we like sneaky. Like yeah. in LA, it's like they bold. It's like they want you to know. They want you. To, they want to spark a conversation with you first before they get into some shit. Some of them. Some of them might just go crazy. Jared, the times I got into some shit, it was like they just gave a drop up too fast. You feel me? So the second time I got into some shit, it was like just talking loud as shit, wanting me to hear their conversation. And it's like I'm with my peoples. Like I'm with my, my my daughter and my girl. Like why are they talking about this shit? Like 
this around. Like, we outside. We on Fairfax. I'm like, man, you know, I already peed the bus. We out. I'm like, man, we out of here. You feel me? Like, we gone. My girl, like, no, nah, we ain't. I'm like, I'm just going off of the vibes. Like, we out. Is, is she peeping the energy? Because I'm not sure you on point. Yeah, she ain't peeping. She was thinking I'm tripping. about women sometimes. She be thinking yeah. I'm tripping. So, in a mix of all this, I'm like, no, we out. So, she peeped it. I'm serious. She like, all right, we could cut it. Uh, 30 years old, PNB Rock is dead. Rachel? Um, it's obviously a tragedy. I was out on the red carpet for the Emmys focusing on that. And that's, and I couldn't understand what the, what was going on on social media in regards to PNB Rock. And I saw the tragedy that happened and sadly, and unfortunately also came across the video, wasn't even trying to watch that. I truly hope that his loved ones don't have to see that, which is why it's so ridiculous. I know you're saying we shouldn't expect more from TMZ, but just the fact that people can just have a complete disregard for other people's feelings and what they may be going through just to be the first ones to post something, I will never understand. Never understand. I do think that it is worth talking about. I know you don't want to mention it, but for those of you who aren't familiar with PNB Rock or the the tragedies surrounding all of this in the details, it is worth noting that because especially because of what he's talking about in that video with DJ Academics and also some of the discourse that's surrounding his death, what what Van referred to but didn't um, detail on is that when he his girlfriend took a picture of the of chicken and waffles and tagged the exact location. So, of course, people are starting to talk about whether or not that's how those individuals knew where he was. And there's been discourse just from people who are um, talking about the situation, but also rappers in the game who are discussing whether or not, not whether or not, but just the fact of people that are high profile tagging their location and where they are just because of the type of society that we live in now. So of course that's opening the door to people to have their opinions on whether or not that should have been done. But as Vance stated, it's not the issue here. Those people were going to rob him regardless, if not there, possibly somewhere else. Uh, and that's sadly the, the society where we live in. You have to be, you always have to be careful, but even now more so people just seem ruthless in the manner uh, that they come at people as PNB Rock was just talking about with DJ Academics in that very um, interview. You know, just the way that people come at you, the way that people want to want to have what you have. And I do think it's worth noting, I believe it was Nicki Minaj that talked about people out here aren't all, I'm so paraphrasing, people out here aren't always rooting for you. Not everybody is a fan. People want to prey on you. There are predators that want to take what you have and will do so in a, in a way that ends in a tragedy like it did here. So it's just all around, like, it just seems to be happening so much. And uh, I mean, there's nothing really more to say other than how sad it is. And my heart just goes out to all of his family and friends. Uh, yeah, so... As far as his family and friends are are um, are concerned, I think everybody that has opinions about that should be, especially uh, the bigger your voice is, should be considerate of the fact that his family and friends are seeing this. Mm -hmm. Your um, your relatives or your people pass away, and you get to have your family and friends close to you, 
and you get to uh, share that with them or anybody that you choose to let into it. This was a very high profile murder that happened in broad daylight, broad daylight. We're talking one o'clock in the afternoon in Los Angeles and your opinions um, while you may feel that they are valid, you might feel that you're helping. They also could be weaponized uh, or energized in a way that hurts someone. So you should be very, very careful with that. Number two, with this entire situation, uh, the reality is, as people, we always want to make sense of things. I think I've talked about this before on the podcast. A friend of mine was killed. Rest in peace, Jason. It's 2002, 2003. And, you know, we don't know really what happened, right? I remember... Jason was found uh, in a car that was running. The car was running and he was shot two or three times in his back off Aliquippa in North Baton Rouge. And the kind of rule in North Baton Rouge or in Baton Rouge period is if the street has a Native American name, you're fucked up if you're on that street. If Mm. you're on parts of Choctaw, Aliquippa, any of those places in North Baton Rouge, be it Dixie, wherever you at, that's kind of where where it's going down, right? So you want to make sure you watch your back a little bit there. And the bottom two in South Baton Rouge as well, but North Baton Rouge particularly is a part of the city where you got to know where you're moving around. So never forget, get a call, Jason got shot, and he goes, Jason's dead, okay? Uh, many of those calls in Baton Rouge. Jason is, uh, the car's running. He shot through, through the back of the car, through his back. He almost made it to the hospital. I remember telling somebody about the fact that I was depressed because we lost Jason. And the first thing that the person said to me was, what was he doing down there? You know? Um, And I remember being upset. I was upset because I'm thinking, well, who fucking cares what he was doing down there? I'm telling you that my friend died, not because I'm looking for a reason that he passed away. I'm telling you that he died because it hurt, you Mm -hmm. know? But human nature is to look at what somebody did and go, you know what? I'm safe because I would never be doing that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not going to happen to me because this is something that I wouldn't do. I wouldn't be down there at that time. I wouldn't have fucked with this person. I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have done this. And that's it happens all the time. It happens all the time. It's like normally in those situations, yeah, man, I'm sorry about that. But what were they doing? Do you have any idea what the hell was going on? And people did that with PNB Rock. They always do it. People did that with PNB Rock. Why did he have all his jewelry on? Well, we're going to talk about that because we have to discuss that. Why? Why did his girlfriend um, post the location? Why was he at that Roscoe's? Okay. Uh, the reality is, all of those things could have been on purpose, or all of those things could have been a mistake. Mm-hmm. It's certainly a mistake to post your location anywhere that you go if you are a high-profile rapper wearing thousands of dollars worth of jewelry. Okay. It could have been a mistake. They're not from here. They might not know that there's a Roscoe's in Hollywood and even the Roscoe's on Pico and La Brea. Uh, you're probably going to be okay. All right. The guy probably drives. The wolves got to drive a little bit further. They might have not known that. Right. Um, and they might not have anybody to check in with when they came into L.A. to, to, to guide them and all of those things. All of those things could have been a mistake. I do feel like this, though. We are at a point now. And. Remember that I did this all summer long, all summer long, all summer long. I was inundated with different stories of the deaths of rappers, Mm -hmm. eight different people 
who died eight different ways, but there were definitely common threats. And I'm going to talk about some things that I learned about that a little bit later. But we really need to, if there is a we, which I'm not sure that there is. I'm not sure that when we talk about the community, um, the black community, I think what we're really talking about are smaller communities and then a larger ethos or psyche that unites in trauma, right? Okay. So I have a community in South Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where I know people, where I'm safe, where I feel safe. Maybe I'm safe. Who knows? You have a community um, in Oak Cliff, Texas, right? Mm-hmm. Donnie has mm-hmm. a community wherever they're killing snakes or in Atlanta or in Detroit, right? But as far as a larger community, we have to come to terms with the fact that that doesn't exist. What we have are people in all different parts of the world who unite whenever something goes wrong, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who who trauma bond. But yeah. because you're black, that's not going to make you safe in somebody else's hood. It sure. just won't, Right? They're not going to show you love if you're from Philly and you come to L.A., right? And you got your – there's nothing – so when we when we keep talking about we have to stop doing this, I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, we have to remember that, that the thing that we think exists, it doesn't exist. It, it really doesn't. Not only does it not exist from city to city, it doesn't exist from hood to hood. Sure. Like, you can be from parts of Baton Rouge, go to another part of Baton Rouge. They don't give a fuck if you're black. Because you're black, they will fuck you up. So what we are trying to do and what we've been trying to do is build this thing. But the thing that we think exists when we hear people talk about, hey, we shouldn't do each other like that. We're doing each other like that because it's not real. Because we're not there yet. Hmm. All right. Like it, 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 it's, it's aspirational. So let's take the us out of the situation. You have to protect you and your family. And unfortunately, we have done some things that make that hard. Number one, we've, we've made being broke a pestilence and a disease in our community. We've made being broke a pestilence and a disease in a culture we, we've listened for 25, 30 years about how being broke was the worst thing that you could be and how getting it and hustling whatever way that you can was okay. And the reality of the situation is now, if you walk around with that on you, you fresh bread. You're fresh bread. That's an easy come up. It doesn't even matter why. It doesn't matter even the economic times that we're in right now. It does nothing but but exacerbate what already is going on. These lives are worth less than fucking chains. This is wild. Not only is it, understand, everything that we covered when we did it on Hip Hop Homicides, we're talking about some of these things that are years old. PNB Rock, Draco the Ruler, Pop Smoke, all here in LA, not to mention Young Dolph, not to mention the rest of the people that are just, you know, some of it's beef. Some of it's just we robbing people. But these are lives lost forever gone. It's weird. Mm. And I and and for me, what I can't do moving forward as a 42-year-old man, right, who sees the trauma that people go through, 
I can't make excuses for this anymore. It's it, it. I can't. I can't try to rationalize it or justify it in any way. Like I can't in any way act like it's a byproduct of of certain things that we've all come to terms with. It's just it's getting to a point to where we have to really, really think about the individual lives that are being lost. So, okay. When you, you said a lot and I'm trying to, I'm trying to gather my thoughts and pieces together. When you talk about one thing, I think something that you said was really profound is that bodies aren't, lives aren't valued the same as chains are. That's like that, like you said that, and I'm just like, it's extremely true and it's sad. But at the same time, I'm listening to you and I'm like, so what are you saying and what do we do? Because you talk about each person has their own hood. You talk about we're not all unified in a sense just because we're black and it's different from hood to hood, city to city, state to state, wherever you may be from. So does that mean that you look out for yourself in an individual way, you can only look out for yourself because you're not going to be protected from hood to hood that you go to. Right. Okay. Another thing with that is when you talk about lives not being valued the same way as chains are or whatever it may be, some type of material thing they fit makes, makes you feel rich or bigger than the next or something that you can boast and brag about or whatever it may be. How much of it, and we've talked about this a little bit, is based on what's glorified in the culture at times, right? We talk about drill music. We talk about these things. So when it comes to a, some type of resolution of, of responsibility, you feel as a 42-year-old Black man, as a responsibility I may feel as a 37-year-old Black woman, what do you do? Who's like, how do you rectify this situation? And I, we kind of have talked about it. We talked about who steps up in the community to say something because we've been here before where we've sat here and we've had these conversations about what's happening to people in our community who look like us. And there doesn't seem to be any sort of resolution to it other than going back to the original thing of you got to look out for yourself. But is that... Is that enough? Like, is when that I'm, shit that? Oh, go ahead. What I'm telling you is the should doesn't matter. What I'm telling you is there is no community. And, and so, that, like, and, and so what I'm saying is there's a community at certain times, right? Yeah, and what yeah, I mean yeah. by that is there's a, there's a, we get with each other sort of when we need to. We are, the internet has made things way too big for us to be united. Like, and I, I'm being serious when I say this. Like, we, it, it used to be that there were three or four things that we need to come together on. But the reality is now there are so many different pockets of information, pockets of influence that you can't get two or three people to agree on anything. And what's happening now is if somebody says, put the guns down, there's somebody else that's going to be, no, I mean, we live by the gun. And that we have to take the time to litigate that. All right. Like if I tell if I if I if I look at a kid that grew up that grows up in the south side of Chicago right now and tell until to put his gun down, he's going to tell me if I put my gun down, I'm dead. What can I say to him? Mm. The only thing I can do is when I go there to talk to him, I have to make sure that I'm taking the precautions in my life not to end up like somebody who grew up there. And that sounds harsh to say, but the reality is that and the situation we, it's going to take generations to reteach 
people in places that we need to reteach them, right? To educate them about who they are, about their history, about their worth, and get them out of this cyclical weapon of mass destruction, which is white supremacy. It's going to take time, and we haven't been doing it right. What we've been saying is, if you get rich, that's the reason why a couple of weeks ago when we had the conversation about like Jay-Z being a revolutionary because he made a billion dollars. That's why I was saying that I don't think that that's revolutionary. The reason why, and I understood your point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why I was saying that that's not revolutionary is because there are many things that exist in the psyche of black people everywhere that it actually is revolutionary to push them out of. Because see, once you make a, once you make a lot of money, it doesn't mean that you turn around and become something valuable to your community necessarily. To a lot of people in a lot of places, you become a target. And they're waiting for you to come back so that they can knock you off and take whatever it is they can get off you at that time. And it's not your whole wealth. It's whatever they can get. If it's a ring, if it's a watch, if it's a car, sometimes if it's just over a petty beef. And so the revolutionary act right there, in my opinion, isn't making the money. The Revolutionary Act is readjusting the paradigm of what it actually means to be a part of a community, of what it actually means to have the fabric of social life be interwoven with other people. That's revolutionary, and that's what we've been trying to do. And don't don't get me wrong, the reason why we cannot do it and have not done it is because our lives have always been valued. Our lives have always been uh They've always been sort of we've let the white man and white America and white supremacy set the value of black life. And we do it today, even inadvertently. Sure. Like things, things like this happen and we're upset. But when the state kills us, we understand how wrong that is. And look, I get it. The reality is the state killing black people is this gigantic billboard of systemic dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you look at these types of situations that exist in the in, in the community, it's harder to see how those things are billboards of systemic dysfunction, too. I'm not saying that we don't do one, but I am saying that because we can't do the other, I'm calling upon everybody to protect themselves. I'm calling all the people that are working to stop violence everywhere. The Jason Wilsons in Detroit the Tamika Mallory's, the My Sons, all of those people that are working to stop violence everywhere, continue to support them. But until we actually understand being broke is not a crime, work like working hard is not a crime, not having all the flashy, flaunty stuff is not a crime, none of that stuff, none of that shit is worth killing over. Until we devalue some of the things that we value and value other things, and when I say value other things, I mean... I'm not talking about, oh, the family structure and oh, where's the church and oh, blah, blah, blah. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about value not in any way being willing to kill or do something fucking illicit for bread. I'm not talking about, I understand that sometimes for some people, they have to, they, they have to, uh, they have to turn to like illicit means. I get that. I understand that society puts people in bad positions. But we can't tell, we can't lie to ourselves and tell ourselves that everybody that goes out and does something like that is starving. Some of this has to do with the fact that we have overvalued material things. And when I say we, 
once again, I'm not talking about us all as a black community. I'm talking about some of the things and some of the people who have made it big. We've overvalued some stuff in our communities. And now the overvaluing of this is leading to people getting fucking killed. The overvaluing in material things is not allowing us to value ourselves. There's no value in life, which is what you were saying about life uh, not being valued the same way as chains. It's interesting, too, because everything that you're saying, too, highlights the discourse that's happening right now on social media in that it shouldn't even be a discussion of blaming the girlfriend in this instance. The fact that people can blame her rather than look at the fact that he was shot and killed by someone. He was murdered and not blame it and not look at it at the fact that you're going to blame the people who actually did it. You want to look at someone else shows that you don't even pay attention to that in the same way that you should. You're not looking at the fact that somebody walked in, pulled out a gun to rob and then murdered him all, all clearly planned. And there was a getaway car that you can't see is the problem. You're looking at it as someone else, which I think you're looking at it as somebody else's problem, which I also think shows the way that we, I guess, flippantly look at killing someone in the community. People, the desperation is one thing. We talk about the desperation. What we have to under, what we have to talk about is, is life being valued. Yeah. Is life being valued? 30 years old. Man, look, I talked to eight mothers of eight people who are never coming back. I talked to spouses. I talked to children. I talked to friends, loved ones. And it doesn't matter if it happened in 2003 it doesn't matter if it happened in 2017. They never fucking got over it. Yeah. They never got over it. Like, the people that are affected by this, they'll never get over it. They'll do their best to get past it. But they'll never get over it. And the reality of the situation is there's not enough we know why we're in this position and we're not in any way trying to absolve any of the forces that have put black people in this position for their culpability in that. We could never do that. You can't do that. But the reality, the, the question is, what are we going to do if there is a we? Because if there's not a we, which I don't think that there's a we. Be honest with you. If there's not a we, then the question then becomes, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do? How are you going to protect yourself? So I wrote this down as I was on the road doing hip hop homicides. I think that there are, there are five rules that I think any rapper should abide by in order to keep themselves alive. I looked at the common threads in all of, because I had to do something to get my mind out of the, the 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 trauma that I was going through and that the rest of the crew was going through by doing this the entire time, by recreating deaths and, and looking at where people were shot. Sometimes you would go to places and there would still be bullet holes. 
and talking to mothers mm-hmm. and all of that stuff is just crazy. So there are five things to me that rappers have to do to keep themselves alive. Because if not, it's not going to work. The first one is be a ghost. Absolutely zero locations. No one needs to know where you are. No one. Unless you are performing at an award show in Madison Square fucking garden where the fucking special forces is going to be there and it's going to be cops everywhere. No one needs to know where you are. If you have to pr- promote that you're going to be somewhere, like I'm going to Slappy's Club down on the south side, then what you need to do is abide by the second rule in this situation is it's a five deep minimum. Two in the front, two in the back, somebody on one other side on one side of you. Five deep minimum. If you if you can't afford to go there five deep, then you cannot wear your jewelry. If you can't five people with you minimum. Minimum if you like that and people know who you are. The third one is when you in the hood, be broke. Do not go back in the hood flossing on the people that are still there. I know it's a big strike for you to say that you can go somewhere and wear your jewelry. I know that you got to be the hardest person in the world, but the reality is you're not. You're not hard. A bullet hits you, you're gone. You're going to die. So the reality is when you in the hood, be broke in the hood. Be like you used to be. If people know who you are, you don't need to remind them. It's nothing in that. Leave it at home. All right? Go down there, poly with your people, build with them. You know what I'm saying? Jay-Z had this lyric back in the day, I wear more bling to the source and soul chain. Bang, 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 bang. Niggas won't do a thing. That's over. That was then. They will do a thing now. And that thing will be to kill you. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to do it. All right? Number three, check in with somebody. If you're going to be, if you're playing in an away game, Check in with someone. This is my thing. When I'm saying checking in, I'm not saying, yo, I'm out here. I'm under somebody's protection. I got to call up a bigger OG because I know everybody got an ego and they don't want to be like calling somebody to, to, to move around in the city. But the reality is for this particular young brother, this young 30 year old man, had he maybe had somebody in his ear, he might have known that that maybe wasn't the right location to go to. That is wolves in the area. You want to go to Roscoe's? You want to take pictures for Roscoe's? If you do that in Hollywood, you're probably okay. If you do that, I can't say that you're 100% okay, but if you do that in Hollywood, you're probably okay. If you go to any of the other Roscoe's, you're probably okay. But the reality is, if you at that one, you're probably not okay. With the location. And by the way, it don't even have to be that. Somebody could have seen him coming in. Somebody at the store could have tipped him off. You you just never know. Right. The fifth one is what I said earlier. There is no us. Do not expect the people in any community to protect you or look out for you. It's every man for his fucking self out here. And we keep proving it over and over and over again. What we want What we're hoping for is to build enough uh, bonds, do enough education, come together enough that we can build a thriving nationwide community. That's what we're hoping. We're hoping. We want to. We want to make blackness valuable. We want to make blackness worth something. 
We want to make our lives worth something because this country has never, ever, ever taught us, never, never, ever given us any reason to believe that our lives are worth anything. And you know what? They told us that, and I feel like we believe them. I feel like we do. And it would be hard for us not to because of all the things that we're up against. So we're trying for that. We're we're hoping for that, right? But until we get there, you must protect yourself. You must protect your family. But don't at all try to protect your jewelry or your fucking car or anything like that. You protect it by leaving it at the fucking crib. You protect it by knowing where you can and should wear it. You protect yourself by not making yourself a target, by not moving in a way that will make these niggas want to kill you because they fucking will. I'm so fucking sick of this shit, man. Hold on. I got to take a break, man. I took an Ativan. I'm sorry. I don't think I don't think you guys. Sometimes I don't do a good je- job of explaining just how fucked up hip hop homicides was. Honestly, Van, I had no idea until you just, you know, we know the, the, I guess, the premise of the show, but hearing you talk about being in the trenches and who you had to talk to and what you had to see, that's the first time I ever heard you say it. And I never even really grasped, fully grasped the situation. And I had no idea during that whole time. I mean, we were podcasting and that was weighing on you and you never, and you don't have to, but I'm just saying, I had no idea. I feel bad. I had no idea. No, it's nothing to feel bad. It's just like... There's so many, they they just, they, they just fucking killing. Can I just say something else about what you said uh, to add to it? And obviously I have no insight because I did not, you know, have the conversations that you had or see what, what you saw. But as you were talking, it made me think about social media and just, and I'm not by any means saying this because of her tagging the location, but just in the sense that a lot of people, especially young people, feel the sense to brag on their social media and to flaunt what they have. And even people are watching you, they're getting jealous of you, but they're also being able to pinpoint certain things like your car, they can recognize your car, possibly a license plate, certain things in your house, your location. And it's not just you, it's the crew around you that's also doing that. And people put that together. I can't tell you how many people will look at something. And this is just like, I've seen it happen in Bachelor World. They will post things in their house. People will on Reddit will go on and find the exact place that they live in based on the things that they're showing on the outside and inside of their house. You got to be careful. People are watching. So when it comes to social media, I know it's cool to be able to post what you have and what you've worked for or whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, is that worth your life? Because not everybody's just, for you out here. It's just all so fucked up, man. Look, rest in peace, PNB Rock. Please, God, man. Just y'all protect yourselves, man. All right. Uh let's take a break real quick. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal. You're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of active wear. 
that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, so this is a story that I think we talked about it when it initially came through. We were kind of waiting to see. Honestly, I forgot, to be honest with you. We were waiting to see um, how far this investigation would go. And I'm referring to the Phoenix Suns and Mercury owner, NBA Phoenix Suns, WNBA Mercury owner, Robert Sarver. Is that how you say his last name? Robert Sarver. Sarver. Now, so back in November 2021, um, the league launched this investigation and this came about because there was an article that was published by ESPN's Baxter Holmes, who said that he interviewed more than 70 current and former Suns employees, which in that investigation on his, um, on his investigating, it revealed that it, there was a history of alleged racial insensitivity, language, misogynistic behavior, and other hostile workplace misconduct. Um, now, according to the, a statement from the NBA's office, the league office, the invest, investigation revealed three things. The owner, Sarver, on five occasions during his tenure with the Sons and Mercury organization, repeated the N-word when recounting the statements of others. Uh, second thing is he engaged in instances of inequitable conduct toward female employees, made many sex related comments in the workplace and made inappropriate comments about the physical appearance of female employees and other women on several occasions. Um, even making inappropriate physical, uh, engaged in physical, inappropriate physical conduct toward male employees. Uh, the last thing that this investigation revealed is that he engaged in demeaning and harsh treatment of employees, including yelling and cursing at them. Uh, the suspension that came down is that he will be suspended for one year from entering any NBA or WNBA facilities. During that time, he can't attend board meetings, board of governor meetings. Uh, he can't represent the team in any capacity or influence any business or basketball decisions. He can't attend any league affiliated events, including business partner activities. I believe he was fined as well. So he was suspended for a year. I do not have the fine. Donnie, what's the fine? $10 million. And he was fined $10 million. Van, this isn't the first time that we've seen this type of behavior from 
um, an owner of a team, whether it be in the NBA, NFL. It's not the first time we've seen it. Won't be the last, sadly. But now that this investigation has apparently come to a close by the NBA's league office and the suspension has come down one year, $10 million, your thoughts? $2 million per N-word. That's what it basically works out <laughs> I guess my question is, how much do you find somebody for the N-word? How much is, the, is an N-word fine worth? If you're an owner, how much... Is the N word worth? Should it be? A, is that a ten million dollars? Two million dollars? Two million per N word? Uh, it's obviously, <laughs> isn't much of a um, much of a of a problem for him. He can watch the games at home. The board means is what it's like. What do you really do? He owns the team. It, it's like it, it, you know, it's a that's it. Well, here's here's a deal. And if, if you're not going to put out the Donald Sterling Golden Gun, which the Donald Sterling and this is the interesting thing. So there's been a standard set by, from the NBA about what sure. constitutes taking a team. And so then the question becomes, for any owner in NBA in the future of the league who go who does something like this, the question becomes, does it meet the standard of what Donald Sterling did? You know what I mean? And the reality is this probably does but yeah, we don't have we don't we don't have any audio. We live in a society where the audio and the video changes everything. The thing about Donald Sterling that really bothers us not was wasn't it wasn't that he said what he said. It was that we heard it. Best believe if you heard Robert Solver saying, "Oh man, these niggers can't get up and down the court." He's done. He's done. It's really the same thing. It is exactly the same thing. But I it's so sad that you have to have video or audio evidence for it to actually be real. The fact that they talked to over 70 people, that was just an investigation done by ESPN. Then the league delves into this as well and still comes out with three key points, which I'm sure there are more. These are just the top three of how... He has created this racist, misogynistic, hostile environment. So to me, the only thing that needed to come down is that he loses this team. Because if I'm an employee and I work for his team on the WNBA or the NBA side, how do I feel safe and protected knowing that this man still reaps the benefits from these teams like it's so unfair and if I'm him I feel untouchable because like you just said he can have watch parties watch the team still gets like 10 million dollars is nothing to somebody who's the owner of a team two teams at that and successful teams I might add so I just feel like and I don't know if it's I, I don't know who should be Speaking out, should if if I'm a, if I'm a player on these teams, I I want to be transferred. I want to transfer, transfer. I want to be traded. I want to be traded. Fucking wrong team. Wrong English, pre, English <laughs> Premier League now. What are you like? What is what are a soccer player? You want to tra transfer? Are you telling me right now? Are you telling me right now? I'm thinking college. That Chris Paul should enter the transfer portal. <laughs> I Devin Booker. I Devin Booker. 
Devin Booker should enter the transfer portal. No, I get, but they call but, but they call him transfers at soccer though. So, but so, yeah, remember, I get what you're saying. Like, remember with um, well, uh, oh gosh, you just said his name. Come on, Clippers owner, T- tell me his name. Oh, uh, Don Sterling. Don, yeah, Don Sterling. You had coaches and you had players speaking out. Yeah. I kind of am expecting to the degree that, that they could. But I'm kind they of did. expecting that at least from like a Chris Paul. A veteran. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, but here's the deal, though. And this is another thing that we kind of have to get into. Donald Sterling also treated his players like shit. Mm -hmm. There's a chance that the people that Robert Sarver uh, actually treated like shit aren't the players themselves, but just his underlings. See, if the players. Is that worse almost? It is. But the reality is that would make certain players less apt. To be vocal. I'm not saying that this is the case. I'm saying that this could be the case. Donald Sterling was known, known to treat the actual players like trash, to heckle them and say all kinds of shit to them. But the players sometimes in these situations will have either an affinity or a loyalty to people. And look, I'm not, my thing is this. I'm not necessarily calling on anybody. I'm going to stop calling on people to do shit. I'm going to stop because they don't fucking care. Some people might care. Other people might care. And when the Clippers did what they did, it's not like they went super hard. It's not like they went, hey, we ain't going to play. They said a couple things to turn the jerseys inside out. I'm not taking anything away from them, <laughs> but 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 I'm, I'm not. I'm not taking anything away from them. But I'm saying that's a difficult place for them to be in. I've worked at an organization sure. before where you didn't agree with. I think that you have to. And me too. <laughs> so, 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 so that's a difficult line to walk. What I'm saying is that if racism and sexism is the bar to take somebody's team from them, then it should be the bar to take from somebody's team from them whether we heard it or not. And the reality is, in sports ownership, the only ticket you need to join the club is to have enough money to join. Mm-hmm. And after that, you got your shit. Mm-hmm. Like, set. we know these... Yeah, you said Robert fucking Sarver doesn't care. Robert Sarver is... Robert Sarver is somewhere right now drinking a Mai Tai going, ah, them niggas they thought they got me. Like, here's what he's doing right now. He's like, he's like, ah, oh, these... These niggas and these bitches thought they got me. <laughs> right, this gives me more time to play golf on my yacht. He don't give a fuck. $10 million ain't shit to him. He can still delegate from somebody. He could talk to whatever. It's fine. It's a slap on the wrist. It's going to make people be more clandestine about their racism. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not so certain that that's the best we can hope for in America right now. It's not to try to make y'all not be racist because y'all don't want to not be racist. The best we can hope for is to make you motherfuckers hide it. (laughs) (laughs) Like they used to do. (laughs) Like they're like, yeah. The best we can hope for is to make you motherfuckers hide it because we can't talk to you about not being racist. We can't talk to you about not being sexist. We can't talk to you about not being homophobic. The best we can do is hope that you don't just get on the fucking... we, We don't want you to... <laughs> go to a Halloween party in blackface. Like that's the best. Oh my we could gosh. Ask for. Go back to not seeing color. Yeah. That's oh the my best God. we can hope for. <laughs> I don't see color. <laughs> I, I don't, go back I, to I, that. I, I don't see color, but nigger, go wash my car. <laughs> <laughs> so fucked up. What a fucked up place. I had a nervous breakdown on the podcast like 10 minutes ago. It's so, it's so, it's so, <laughs> Oh, we're just gonna. This isn't this what black people do to get through? 
They just laugh laugh their way through things. They just laugh. That's all we can do. (laughs) There's something else that we can use to get through. through. There's somebody that always brings us through. I need something to get (laughs) to get through this. I was be taking a. Kalika made me drink some water. Kalika. Kalika made me kids drink water. She was like, what are you in there screaming about? Kalika, um, Kalika didn't want to come in. Kalika was, <laughs> Kalika was scared to come in. You made, like, did I, did, I go, did I go too far? Well, I couldn't really hear what you were saying, right. but you were quite upset. Right. And I understand. <laughs> it's been a long summer. Yeah. And it's really affecting you. <laughs> Kalika's a saint, isn't she? <laughs> I get it. Mm-hmm. You just got to give yourself a block of time mm-hmm. to feel. Well, I have and to. Pro- I have to promote the show. So. And then. <laughs> that, is that what you you have to promote the show? <laughs> no, I'm saying no. I now I can't. I don't. What I'm saying is I don't get the block to feel because the show's coming out in November, and now we have to go promote the show. <laughs> I thought you were saying that. Oh, that I have to promote of, the show, which is why I was promoting. doing that. No, 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 no. Like, I'm damn. saying, I don't know. I'm saying, no, I'm saying I, I don't get the block to feel because now I have, now we just had a meeting. I have to promote the show. So now we have to relive it. But I think even more so knowing that, that you're going to have to think about how you handle it, right. how you move through those spaces, because you don't want to be on that emotional roller coaster every single time. It's true. So, did it's y'all true. plan this? Well, no, we didn't plan this. Y'all got going on here? No, she tried to be like me. Um, all right, thank you, baby. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear. Especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, All right, let's go. I'm sure you couldn't wait for this to happen the moment let's you saw it. get back into the bullshit. Let's get back to somebody who's doing the Lord's work. 
I just want to say something real quick. My affinity for Ray J is genuine because Ray J told us he was going to come on this podcast and then he didn't do it. So if anybody is listening to the sound of my voice, please ask Ray J why he flaked on the Higher Learning Podcast. That's your friend. Hey, it's real love for me. You know, it's real love for me. I love people in the ups and the downs. Ray J refutes Kris Jenner's claim that she wasn't behind Kim Kardashian's sex tape release. Okay. Uh, I don't know where Kris Jenner said. Oh, okay, here it is. She went on the Late Late Show last week during which she let host James Corden hook her up to a lie detector test. Proceeded to ask her questions. I didn't see that. In that saw- lie detector, did, did she say that though? In the lie detector thing? Yeah, I, I'm going to paraphrase here. I saw it after this whole thing went down, but basically she was asked if she was the mastermind behind the sex tape. And she said, no. Now, let's just be honest. Do you guys, we all know that she wasn't really hooked up to a lie detector test, but that didn't stop Ray J. <laughs> that didn't stop him. So I guess my question is, knowing the truth of this from my time at TMZ, why are they fucking with him? I think they want they they gotta want people to know. You guys, let me give you a little sex tape one on one. There is no way. There's only one place a sex tape can leak. Where? One place, Twitter. That's the only place you can have a true leak of a sex tape. Even if your sex tape ends up on Pornhub, especially now the way Pornhub is, right? Even if your sex tape ends up on Pornhub or ends up on Tasty Blacks, she's freaky.com. Spank, uh, spank back. Like like homegrownvideos.net. Even if like even even if your your sex tape ends up on one of those tube sites, XNXX, uh, X Hamster. X videos, all of those places, right? Even if it ends up there. You are a pervert. <laughs> it is going to be deleted. It's going to be taken down. There's actually, in some of these places, there is, just so you guys know, there's an algorithm that those some of those tube sites have, right? And if your people are good enough, they can manipulate the the... the they can make it so the shit is not uploadable. Like, it's not going to work. I know very prominent, very prominent celebrities that have sex tapes, right? Mm-hmm. That as soon as you would upload that sex tape to those various tube sites, it would be deleted. Like as soon as you would upload it, right? So the only place a sex tape can really leak is on Twitter. Because if I have a video on my phone, I can post it on Twitter without anything. Now you can still come behind me and make Twitter take it down. But the reality is if it's up for five seconds, it's up for forever. A sex tape cannot leak too fucking vivid it can't but aren't we past that notion at this point like i don't think anybody really believes that they that this wasn't an orchestrated affair aren't we past right well obviously not i mean obviously to me if 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 she's pretending as if she wasn't behind it and i guess ray j is asserting something extra because what he's saying is not only did she sign off on it but that she wanted them to reshoot different things. She wanted the sex tape to look as good as it possibly could. This is what Ray J had to say. That was new to me. 
That was not new to me. <laughs> you got the same contract I got, except guess what? You rushed me to sign the contract because your mama was rushing me to sign it. So guess what you did? You signed my deliverables in your, in your handwriting, right? Because you was rushing me. So you signed my deliverables. Kim Kardashian got her handwriting and her fingerprints all over my contract. When you look at the two, when you look at my signature and you look at her signature on my deliverables, that shit say sex tape, number one, sex tape, number two. And guess what? The third sex tape or the second they've been trying to play me on, that shit called Santa Barbara sex. Her mama made us go shoot it for safety. She watched the motherfucker and said, hey, we're going to go with the first one because the first one is better. It gives my daughter a better look than the second one that I made y'all go do. But you watched it and made a decision. And then you get on whatever show you was on and take a lie detector test. Yeah. I mean, knowing all of this, I'm wondering why they're fucking with him. Like, I, he, he knows everything. They can never admit. They will never admit that they were behind that. Yeah. It doesn't fit their brand. He's never going to. But I listen, I was thoroughly entertained by this entire discourse. Ray J is hilarious. That's one thing I will never take away from Ray J. He is so funny. And him putting this up. Uh, OK, come on. Calm down. I said funny. We're, we're, we're using extreme words here. <laughs> with legend. But the fact that he had it projected on a wall had his friend going through the evidence who couldn't get it together, couldn't scroll, couldn't do it right. Him, it was so pure comedy. He's a, he's, he's, he needs to get into stand-up or something. Reggie is funny. But what I also loved is that he knew this day would come and he clearly had folders saved on his computer to pull out cards that were written by Kim, letters that were written by Kim so he could compare the handwriting. I don't remember if he said he had an expert do it or not, but it, from what he was putting together, it did look like it was her handwriting on those deliverables. He still had the contract. He's been waiting for this day. I hope, I want, I do want, as much as I talk about Ray J, I want Ray J to feel some sort of peace in regards to this situation. Because what I don't think is fair is that they used him as a storyline to promote their multi-million dollar show at the expense of Ray J. And we've been through this before with Ray J. So I really want him to feel some sort of peace in regards to this situation. So the only problem, there's only one major, major, major point of contention I have with Ray J. You have a problem with Ray J? I do. Ray J said, what you're trying to do to me is almost inhumane and file at the highest level. Fuck, this is just being racist. It's wrong to do to anyone. If you've been proverbially, proverbally, why can I pronounce words? If you've been in bed with the Kardashians, either literally or figuratively, I don't want to hear the racism claims from you anymore. Yeah. I just can't. I can't deal with the with Kanye calling out, oh, why is racism? Like, if you've been in bed with the Kardashians in any way, you can't at this point, call what they are doing racist. Really, looking back and getting on them, it would be like me continuously trying to uh, turn people against TMZ. I was there too long. I was a part of it. It actually was a huge part in making me who I am. Now, I will say Ray J was Ray J before the sex tape. 
Kim Kardashian wasn't Kim Kardashian until really after the sex tape. We kind of knew who she was, but we didn't know as much about her until after the sex tape. So she Ray was J a sidekick before she became a star after the after the sex after tape. the sex tape. So I'm not. So I'm saying right now, I just I, I'm kind of overhearing the racism. They you treat me racist, whatever, whatever. And in a way, I could also argue that the sex tape is only damaging to Kim Kim Kardashian. That when people bring up whatever Kim Kardashian. Uh, has done in the past they bring up the sex tape in a pejorative way but they don't bring it up in a pejorative way with ray j and that has to do obviously with misogyny and all of that type of situation right there sure. so so a little bit but you guys take it from me take it from somebody who knows the kardashians were willing participants in the sex tape its distribution, its promotion, the entire thing, bar none, 100%. Not only that, but there is a much nastier version of that sex tape, guys. There's a, there's a, there's a version of that sex tape where all I'm going to say is stay golden. Okay. Well, like is that they, why that's the one that doesn't put her in the best light, I guess? That's not the one that needed to be released? Uh, that's the one that uh, that's the one things got a little wet okay so there's well, a I different got that part <laughs> yeah like, like, there's a there's a there's a different verse so like they took their time to make sure the best version of that sex tape came out and it was a part of it i don't think they regret it i oh. don't think they regret it there's no reason to regret it and by the way it's not a big deal that sex tape came out Keep blah blah blah. It's a long time ago, but don't blame it's Ray not, J. That's it. It's not a big deal, but at the same time, don't yeah, don't make you don't need to make him look like the bad person. At the same time, like y'all both agreed to to do what you did. I, I can't believe last... I'm like taking up for Ray J, but you whatever. Love Ray J. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus. View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. We'll do one last topic. I want you to make sure that you introduce it properly because uh, it's coming from your... I don't want to talk about this. Yes, please. Shit. We have to. We have to, Rachel. Why? Okay. <laughs> In Bachelor World, as we said, as sure as, as as sure as there will be roses, there will be racism when it comes to the Bachelor franchise. And last week we touched on the fact that one of the finalists, rumored to be frontrunner, Eric Schwerer, 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 un unclear, um, was photographed and published in blackface in his high school yearbook. So there's there's two 
There's two people that are at fault here. And now we have more background as to what happened because we didn't quite know before. But um, Eric here was was pictured in blackface. We saw that. Got that done. But we didn't know who he was or what he was trying to be. Not that this makes it any better. But Eric has since issued an apology. We knew that was coming. And he says that he was wearing an Afro. Well, we saw he's wearing an Afro and blackface to make his uh, complexion darker because he was dressed up as Jimi Hendrix, who he said he has a lot of love for. And so in his apology, he said, quote, I wholeheartedly apologize for the insensitive photo of me in blackface for my high school yearbook that has been circulating. What I thought at the time was a representation of my love for Jimi Hendrix was nothing but ignorance. He goes on to say, I was naive to the hurtful implications of my actions to the black community and those closest to me and will never and will forever regret my offensive and damaging behavior. I'm deeply ashamed by my actions and understand that my apology is the only is only the first step in taking accountability and probably the last. I'm just kidding. The last part was not in there, but let's just let's just be honest. okay? (laughs) he's sorry after the fact. Yep. What does oh, accountability oh, mean? Oh, Rachel, you know what you're doing again. I don't care. I'm you're sick. judging I'm people's sick apology. Of, I'm fucking sick of this shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's so like when it comes to bachelorization. And then on just as you can expect for him to the apology was coming after it was found out, which this photo was came out and we took this photo in 2011, 2012, which I don't care how big of a white community you come from. Within the last 10 years, you at some point knew blackface was wrong, but yet you still go on a show knowing this could possibly come out because you know all you have to do is issue an apology and then just as on cue some black contestant that was on your season is going to take up for you and also feel that they have to give a statement in your defense to talk about how great of a person that you are the person who did it this time is a black man on the show who wears twists and lets these white folks call him floppy hair Nate I just can't I can't with this (laughs) (laughs) can't with any of it. <laughs> I could not with any of it. Nate, I want to see Floppy. Nate, wait a minute. Wait, I never saw Floppy before. What? I have tried not to speak on this because sadly I'm still, you know, Brian has podcasts with the show. I still get tagged and stuff and there are certain things that I am privy to. And the fact that he embraces I got to have Nate. I gotta have Nate on. We the gotta have Nate on. The fact that he podcast, embraces man. that nickname, they one black person with twists that allows folks to say that his hair, that, that his hair is floppy. I can't. I can't. Floppy hair, Nate. I'm looking at I floppy can't. man. Shout out. To, I'm not trying to diss this brother. Shout out to floppy hair, Nate. I, floppy hair, Nate. Don't let thing. don't don't let people call you that. That's that's not cute. That's not cute. It's not floppy. cute. I'm looking. I'm why. on floppy. Uh, I'm on floppy <laughs> Instagram right now. Floppy got. Floppy how, wearing an apron. Wow, you found that quickly. <laughs> all I did was all I did was put in floppy hair Nate, and it went right to this, this is his name. <laughs> all I did was put in floppy hair Nate. Sure, more posts from Nate Mitchell. Oh, floppy at the uh, at Disney World. This is, seems like a nice guy, man. I'm this sure like he nice is. Guy. That's not the point. <laughs> I'm sure he is a nice guy. I'm sure got, Eric's oh, floppy, a nice guy too. Floppy, nah, Eric, not that nice. Floppy got uh. <laughs> Floppy got the Killmonger hair. He got the that, Killmonger. That would have been a better comparison than floppy hair. Yeah. And he like, like floppy hair. They're, they're tw- you're wearing twists. 
Floppy Hair Nate has officially embraced the nickname. Floppy Hair Nate, he said, Floppy Hair Nate, I fuck with Floppy Hair, but let me tell you something real quick. Real quick. That's the only thing I'm going to say because you said it all, you said it all best. I just want people to blackface, the blackface whites to know something. (laughs) (laughs) The whole tribe of blackface whites out there, I want y'all to know something. We know that you admire the person that you went in as blackface. We know that you love them, right? The only person that y'all didn't like that y'all went as blackface was Colin Kaepernick. That's the only person that y'all went as that y'all didn't like. But we know that you love them. But there are others. We don't fucking care. Stop. This is 2011. <laughs> we had litigated blackface by this point. Like, bruh, like this dude is only 30 years old, bruh. Stop. You know what? That's it. Stop. Podcast over. Stop. That's like, you, you know We're what I'm saying? Pod, that, that, you know, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> this is real quick. Chick-fil-A. Real quick. <laughs> I got to go. So do this quick. Do A this Twitter quick. user tweeted at Chick-fil-A, grilled spicy deluxe, but still no spicy nuggets. Chick-fil-A responded, your community will be the first to see <laughs> I actually don't think this was bad. I really do. Somebody pulled up. Somebody pulled up that that's just how they refer that they refer to people. But it sounds bad. The optics are bad here. The optics are bad. What the fuck? Apparently, that's how they reply to people. Your community will be the first to know. Yo, we get some. We gotta go. You, we gotta go. We get some We we get some spicy nuggets. You niggas will be the first ones to know. What the fuck is going on? Oh my god! All right, we gotta go. Please, you guys, take care of yourselves. Protect yourselves. Please value each other. Please love each other. Please respect each other. If you can, if not, either respect yourself or make sure nobody can disrespect you. Either. Whatever. Uh, take thing caps off, but do not stop learning. I am Van Lathan Jr. I'm Rachel and Lindsay. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>